Hello, everybody. Welcome to today's episode. My guest today is Dr. Carl Christensen. He's an addiction medicine specialist and the medical director at Don Farm Recovery Center. He is also the medical director of the Michigan's Health Professional Recovery Program and is involved with a program called Caduceus, which is what our conversation will focus on today. So let me start by first welcoming you, Dr. Christensen, and asking you to tell us a little bit about your background and your path that led you to where you are today. So I am grew up in Detroit, Michigan, uh, and went to a pre-med at University of Michigan and Wayne State University and Wayne State's medical school. And uh, after uh, medical school, did my residency in obstetrics and gynecology in Detroit. And after that, uh, did a fellowship in gynecologic oncology, which is GYN, cancer surgery and mm. chemotherapy down at Duke University and then came back to Wayne State University to work on the faculty. And my uh, career plan was to be a, a GYN oncologist and uh, teach OBGYN. But uh, my other job, my nighttime job, was that during my residency and, and fellowship, I had become an alcoholic and a cocaine addict. Hmm. I actually had several interventions uh, during, my, during my residency, which were unsuccessful, which is very common because uh, somebody who's an alcoholic or an addict or both is very, very uh, invested in making sure that no one interferes with their addiction. I was one of those people. And uh, my colleagues and my chairman intervened on me several times. In fact, it was multiple different chairmen over the years. And mm -hmm. I did the same thing. I just lied my way through it and I agreed to do what they wanted and then uh, just went back to drinking and using. And uh, when I came back to Wayne State uh, in the 1980s to, to work at Wayne State, uh, I was doing pretty well at first, but then, you know, started having the same problems. My, my drinking would interfere with work. And I was one of those people that always came on time, always showed up on time. And I turned into one of those people who couldn't be relied on mm. as of my drinking. And uh, eventually I, I found out from my residents that uh, if they wanted to take care of a patient who without being supervised, they would ask me to supervise them because they knew I wouldn't show up. Oh, oh wow. You know, that's what things had come to. And uh, I went through all the stuff that people went through as their addiction gets worse. And finally, uh, in 1999, I was intervened on again. And I was allowed to take some time off and come back and take a drug test, which made no sense, but they were giving, you know, they were trying to give me one more chance. And I came back and I flunked the drug test and they called me in and said, I had tested positive for cocaine and my license was going to be suspended. And, uh, that's when I threw the towel in and, you know, they always say that, you know, the thing that you're going to lose next is, is what, what stops you is what makes you 
ask for help. And I finally, I said, I will do anything to keep my medical license because they said it would be suspended. And the doctor who was intervening on me didn't, wasn't really aware of the physician health programs, but he said he'd heard of this program called HPRP uh, and go out and talk to this doctor out in Grand Rapids. And I went out there and they told me that I needed to be inpatient uh, immediately and uh, that I should not go back to work, which was no problem because they weren't going to let me back in the hospital. They, they told me to leave and don't come back. And I was in inpatient treatment for over four months and came back and my hospital uh, let me come back uh, under a, a last chance agreement. Uh, and eventually after a couple months, let me start seeing patients again. And I owe them a debt that I can never repay because they didn't have to. They had me dead to rights. They could have kicked me to the curb and they probably would have felt safer if they had, but they, they let me come back in. And I was in the HPRP, the Michigan Physician Program for three years. And uh, when I got out, I realized that I enjoyed doing addiction. I didn't, uh, I didn't want to go back to doing uh, cancer, cancer surgery and cancer treatment. And I've been doing that ever since. It's been my full-time career and I'm the past chairman of the HPRP and the current medical director, been medical director for almost 10 years. Wow. What, what a, uh, <laughs> a long road. So I got a little lost in the dates. So how you, this started in residency. So this was very early on in your practice and it went for how long before you finally got threatened with your license and decided to seek treatment? It was 18 years between my first intervention and my last. So that, that speaks to how hard it is to, when somebody, you know, knows what they're talking about and can, you know, can spin a tail, how hard it is to get uh, a healthcare professional, any healthcare professional to, to seek help. And your drug of choice was alcohol and cocaine, which um, not readily available. I mean, cocaine in the OR, of course, they have that, but not readily available at work. So it wasn't something that you were diverting from your workplace. This was all just your own supply that you had, right? So there was no data or anything to show that you were taking anything. No, there was no diversion they could. Yeah. Do. No. Yeah. Yeah. So that adds a, a little bit more of an element of, of making it hard to prove potentially from data and, and talk your way out of, wow, what a long road for you. Do you, do you think, I mean, it's hard to answer probably looking back, but do you think if they had maybe threatened your license at the very beginning of your residency or threatened that you would not be allowed to finish residency unless you got help, do you think maybe that would have made a difference and you could have gotten help like way back? It would have made a huge difference. And that's, I mean, that's how these programs work for healthcare professionals, for lawyers, for, you know, pilots. Uh, when uh, you have leverage against someone's professional mm -hmm. license, that's actually, that's what works. And that's really what makes this different from completely voluntary programs, which you know, the difficulty is that if someone walks away from a completely voluntary program, there's very little that anybody else, that anybody else can do. 
Right. Yeah. So this goes to the whole accountability thing and a reminder to everybody out there that we're not doing people any favors if we make excuses for them or ignore or don't confront them or just make assumptions that, you know, no, they're just going through a hard time without having those hard conversations with them. And then, like you said, you know, you're not the first physician or first healthcare professional to be able to talk their way out of things. And, um, and then we just believe them. And it's like, okay, then even though we know there's more to it, we just let people talk their way out of it. And it doesn't do anybody favors. It certainly didn't do you favors, um, allowing you for 18 years to just continue to go down that road and spiral. And then eventually lead to, of course, I'm, you know, some patient safety risks, right? Um, I mean, your residents were there by themselves. Um, you know, you weren't completely engaged. And so it just gets worse as it progresses. Well, thank you for sharing your story. Um, so you got involved with the recovery program and then this group, Caduceus. So tell us a little bit about that group and where does that name come from? Do you know the history of, of that name at all? So Caduceus, let me read it right off the internet here. It's the staff carried by Hermes in Greek mythology. So it's the, the snake on the staff. Uh, and that's the uh, nickname for healthcare professional mutual health meetings, which is probably what you would call it. Okay. So very apropos then. Yeah. Yeah. Now, is this a particular group or is it a style used by several independent groups that do peer support? So there is no, there are no set rules. Um, it can be anything from a, an AA or NA meeting composed of healthcare professionals uh, to a, a specific type of meeting where uh, it's not a typical AA type presentation, but uh, healthcare professionals get together and share their experience and the, the uh, members of the group that are newer and uh, still, you know, having struggles can get advice from people in the group who've been around a lot longer. Okay, so is the caduceus part, it just refers to being healthcare professionals? Is that? Yeah. Okay. So, oh, there's no set rules for the meetings. Okay, all right. Is it just for physicians or all healthcare professions? So the caduceus meetings are for all healthcare professionals. There is a group uh, known as International Doctors and Alcoholics Anonymous or IDAA that is limited, I believe, currently to anybody who prescribes medications. Mm. So that would include MDs, DOs, uh, physicians assistants, nurse practitioners, uh, but it's limited to, to those groups. Prescribers. Okay. So each group kind of has their own like makeup of what it is, but there is one that's um, specific. Okay. Now, how um, do they have a particular philosophy that is maybe different than other groups, or is it really just the people that make up the group that makes it different? So it's primarily dependent upon the people in the individual group. Uh, typically, uh, if someone goes to an AA or an NA meeting, it's uh, more rigid of a, a, a setup where people take turns sharing, but there's not supposed to be what's called crosstalk which means that uh, you share and then I give you advice or vice versa. In Caduceus, 
uh, that kind of thing is often encouraged. So oh, okay. someone will share what's been going on with them and then other members of the group will chip in and give their opinion and their, you know, what's worked for them in the past. And we try and emphasize that uh, you should share your experience and strength uh, rather than simply, you know, telling me what to do. Tell me what worked for you. That's what. Right. Okay. Well, that makes logical sense to me. Having not been in one, did you attend regular AA meetings where they had more of those rules versus the caduceus to see for yourself the difference and how one works better than the other? So I was required to go to both and uh, okay. this was a lucky accident. Um, typically in programs like HPRP, you're only required to go to one meeting a month and somebody checked the wrong box and said I had to go to one meeting a week. And I didn't find out about, about that until 10 years later. I'm glad that I, I'm glad they made the mistake because I got, I went to a meeting, Caduceus meeting every week. And that really was um, a big source of strength to me. I would think, I would think that one a month would not be enough. I agree. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, good. Well, I'm, I'm glad it helped your success of, of recovery and, and peer support. Um, okay. So you answered the question, well, sort of maybe does, does the Michigan recovery program require someone to attend Caduceus or just a type of meeting, any type of peer support type? We required uh, mutual help meetings, which can be either okay. AA or NA, it can also include uh, smart recovery, which is really the primary uh, other type of meeting available in Michigan. We don't require that it be AA. And we also require one caduceus a month. Okay. All right. So the caduceus groups then, are they um, run, you, you go to the meeting, you're sharing with each other what works for you, encouraging each other. Or do they do things outside of the meeting? Is it the typical, like what you think of that you have a sponsor and then um, somebody that you're sponsoring and you stay in touch? Is it the same type of a lot process? Of, a lot of people in healthcare will get a sponsor from Caduceus because, you know, there's uh, one thing is that there's a lot of stigma being an addictive physician or nurse or pharmacist and that, uh, often doesn't go over very well at an AA or an NA meeting. So mm. a lot of people will seek out a sponsor who is in, the, is in that same profession. Um, and there's not as much stigma in sharing with them or, or taking direction for them. And it's the same thing with pilots. Pilots, uh, if they were to go to a, a regular AA meeting and talk about flying impaired, uh, there would probably be panic in the crowd. So they, <laughs> yeah. they have their own group. It's called, I believe it's called Birds of the Feather that's mm. built around the same principles as Caduceus. Yeah, no, I think that makes sense. And I think also too, from the perspective of for a healthcare professional, the different stressors and things that you see throughout your day, other people can't necessarily relate to. So I would, I would think that there's that common ground that you all start with that gives you something to kind of relate to. Do you find that that's beneficial too? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And then you're also all concerned about your license as well, which is- Quite a bit, yeah. Yeah, 
yeah, another thing that bonds you. Okay. That's, that's what brings people in. Uh, that's what yeah. I believe that's what makes us successful, but uh, it's not necessarily what keeps us there once we've gotten some recovery under our belt. Absolutely. Yeah. Do you find just from your experience, um, people going through, um, probably most of your people are in the Michigan's recovery program, I would guess, right? Are you in a group that's local to Michigan or are you, is a virtual that anybody can attend? So we have uh, the first Caduceus meeting I ever went to was out in Grand Rapids, Michigan. That's still going as a, a combined Zoom and face-to-face. -face. And for the okay. Zoom part, we do have people from out of state. Uh, my The other meeting uh, is uh, based in Ann Arbor. And again, is Zoom and face-to-face. -face. And we do have a few people from out of state who have moved away from Michigan. Okay. Do you have an anecdotal feel for how successful these healthcare professionals are in their recovery programs? I mean, do you see a fairly high relapse rate um, with so, them or? Here's where I get to break. Uh, typical addiction treatment is uh, listed as being about 40 to 50% effective but when you look at those studies, it really only applies to like a single drug. So when they talk about the success rate of medications like Suboxone and Methadone, they're only talking about opioids. And the relapse rates when you stop those medications are typically over 90%. Wow. It's, you know, it's, it's terrible. Uh, the healthcare groups, uh, the physician groups, have a success rate of somewhere, uh, I think it's safe to call it 80% or higher, five years out. And that's been reinforced as being uh, the same about 10 years out. And uh, pilots uh, pilots uh, have the same claim. They have about the same success rate. So our success rates are just sky high compared to other addiction treatments. And I, I really put it on two things. Uh, we recognize that it's a chronic, incurable condition by the time that people like me get into this treatment program. And the other thing is uh, the leverage, and that's really always there. Okay. So you, you approach it as this is a lifetime thing you're going to be working on and we'll support you. And then if you don't, you got a lot to lose. Yes. Yeah. Okay. All right. That makes sense. So how would one go about getting connected to a group if they wanted to? So if somebody uh, has been referred to a physician health program or a nurse's health program, they will give you some type of contact information because you're going to be assigned a therapist and a group therapist. And that will be typically where you get the information from. If you're not involved in a uh, healthcare professional monitoring group, uh, you can go online and some states have meetings listed online. Michigan uh, does not. So you would need to seek out somebody in your community that you knew was in recovery that was in your healthcare profession. Okay, so that's interesting. Is there a reason behind why Michigan doesn't list them? Well, it's, we, our organization uh, 
tries to keep ourselves at arm's distance from Kedusha so we're not seen as influencing it. We don't mm -hmm. want it to be, uh, you know, like a group therapy session. Uh, the meetings are available on the website for IDAA, International Doctors and AA. But again, you have to be a, some type of prescriber to get to that group. And unfortunately, that leaves out the single biggest group of healthcare professionals, which is RNs and BSNs who wind up being monitored. They have uh, online, you know, they have online groups themselves, but we try not to get involved so we don't, we're not seen as being controlling it. Okay. All right. So yeah, a few things involved there and maybe not as easy to get connected um, for somebody that just raises their hand and like, okay, I need some help. Let me find some help somewhere, which is maybe a little, um, I don't know, counterintuitive for somebody that's looking to get some help and they're having trouble finding a, a healthcare based group that they can get in with. Without being in a monitoring program, that could happen. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. Have you seen? Yeah. Yeah. So that's an interesting question. If somebody is trying to do it themselves and wants to bypass the monitoring program and just go into one of these groups, as you know, I, I would assume alcoholics and people in the general community, they just, you know, go straight to AA. Do you see as much of a success rate or do you see much of that happen at all just since you're mostly, you know, involved with the professional recovery program? I know healthcare professionals who have hidden themselves from monitoring uh, and I've seen people be successful and not successful. I don't have any way of estimating how successful they are on their own. Okay. Okay, but typically going through the recovery program, the monitoring program, and a support group is going to be your best bet because of the accountability, I'm guessing. You don't really have that same accountability if you just go straight to a peer support group without the monitoring piece of it. Correct. Yeah, okay, that all makes sense. Okay, all right. Well, I had interviewed um, Carolyn Batchelor before with your program, the Michigan program, and she did a great job kind of running that down for us. I don't know if there's anything that you would like to say specifically about the Michigan's Health Professional Recovery Program. It's open for all disciplines. Is that correct, if I remember? Michigan, uh, out of all the states, Michigan covers more professionals than any other state. So yeah, it's, I think it's like 29 different licenses or something huge like that so yeah and our our nursing again nurses are the biggest single group because they're the biggest single number of healthcare professionals right. they're rolled into our program some states have a separate nursing program like ohio does okay all right yeah i know i always feel bad picking on the nurses when i talk about diversions or give talks or whatever it's always a nurse it's like sorry there's just more of you out there uh, so there's more examples great Okay, well, this is interesting. This is great. I had never heard of Caduceus until Carolyn mentioned it. So I'm glad we had this opportunity to, to talk, especially in light of the fact that it may not be as easy to find one of these groups as one might think. So I think it's important for the healthcare professionals out there to know that something like this does exist. Because I do agree that 
to, to group healthcare professionals together to have these types of conversations and support and recovery is, uh, is definitely beneficial. It's a different kind of people. We think differently. We have different um, stressors and stuff that we go through every day, not necessarily different trauma that we come with, right? We're all humans and, and we've all grown up in, in the same world, but um, we face different things in our profession. So I think it's nice to, to group them together. And it's fantastic to hear about the success rate that yeah. you are seeing with um, physicians. That's very, very encouraging. And I think you should encourage the listeners too. not only do not ignore the problem, confront somebody and get them help and use that licensing leverage over them if need be. And number two, the, uh, the rate of success is very high. So that's encouraging. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much for sharing your story and um, what you, the information you did about Caduceus. I appreciate it. Thanks for inviting me.